We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. So if you want to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, we are picking up where we left off last week, kind of in the middle of chapter 4. And so we're going to go through the rest of chapter 4 and the first part of chapter 5. That's actually one thought right there, one, one um, message in that moment. So even though the chapter changes, that was not how the original author wrote that. He didn't say, hey, here's the end of chapter four here. That's something people added later on. So we're gonna just continue with this stream of thought through the first part of chapter five. Next week, John's gonna be preaching, John Looney, uh, and he'll take us through the rest of chapter five and part of chapter six. And so be praying for him. He has been doing lots of good work on that and I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, It's gonna be great. But we're going to be chapter four today. So I'm going to read, and then I'll pray, and we'll get started. Chapter four, picking up in verse 14. And yes, we will talk about what the therefore is therefore in a second. Um, But we're just going to pick up right now reading. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he is also clothed, clothed with weakness. Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. No one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God who said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father, also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of God. Father, we ask that by the power of your spirit, you would help us to hear and even understand and to receive but mostly to be transformed by your word this morning. God, would you speak through me and would you guard my mouth from anything that is not of you? Would you guard all of our hearts and minds and spirits? God, that we would hear what you are speaking to us today as you are very much alive and active in this place. And you do so through your spirit, through your word, and through your people. And we thank you for that. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Amen. All right, so I feel a little bit like short of breath if you hear me kind of like stopping and pausing to breathe a little bit. Uh, Last Saturday at wrestling practice, my 14-year-old son beat me up. So Cannon uh, actually bruised, possibly fractured. I'm not sure yet. I didn't go get an x-ray because it really doesn't matter. The recovery process is the same either way. But definitely at least bruised my rib. I mean, if you ask him later to show him, show him your guns, like, you'll see how this happened. No, there was this move where like, he had my foot up on his shoulder and we were practicing. And uh, in that move, like, he's getting taller now, by the way. And so that was like, I was doing the splits while standing. It's not comfortable. And then you like push into them and trip the back leg and like you get air and you fall down. And I fell poorly and I did something to my rib and it's awful. So it hurts to bend over. It hurts to like get up after I've been laying down. Uh, <laughs> it also uh, hurts anytime I cough or sneeze and I have really bad allergies. So that's been like torture this week. I also had the hiccups on Wednesday. That was miserable. Every hiccup was like, ow! Oh, that actually hurts now, just pretending to hiccup. Like every hiccup was just a dagger right there. And so it happened right here in the front part of my rib cage. What's interesting is over the days, I started noticing like I have back pain now, like really bad. And there's just like sharp pain in my back. And at times, like totally overshadowing what happened here. Like I wouldn't even feel the front anymore. Just this really bad back pain. And then it had moved to the side. And now it's just everywhere, right? <laughs> I feel it everywhere. But at first I was like, why, why does my back hurt? And I didn't like put it together. And then it's like, most of you guys probably like, it's just common sense. It makes sense to you. I don't have to explain, but I'll get medical with you and tell you there's these muscles in between called intercostal. Muscles? Did I say it right? Okay. The nurse is laughing as soon as I say that. Uh, intercostal muscles, and really all that means is it's like connective, right? like tissue, right? Like it's, it's connecting your rib cage. All, it's, all, everything's connected. That's my point. Everything's connected. And I'm like, why do I have back pain? I'm like, oh yeah, this happened earlier over here in a different place. And that's kind of what's going on in the letter of Hebrews is suddenly he throws something out and you're like, where did that come from? But what you find is like, oh yeah, this is connected to something that happened earlier over here. And so earlier in uh, chapter three, he mentioned something about Jesus being a high priest very quickly and then moved right on. Like didn't say anything else about that, but that was connected to Jesus's humanity. It was what he was trying to make a point that Jesus, the creator of all things and the son of God, became a human and lived like a normal human like you and I. Well, not quite normal the way we see it, but flesh and bone, all of that, like had to go through all the things that we go through as a regular human being. And it was because of that role as a human, he was also able to play this role of high priest. And then he just kind of like shelves that and starts talking about other stuff. And now he's come back to it. And he's done doing the same thing, though, now here in chapter 5, where he kind of drops this like, oh, yeah, and he's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He name drops Melchizedek. Like, who in here knows who that guy is? Steve, you got gold star, Missio bucks for you. Good job. But then he, he doesn't say anything else about, like, who's Melchizedek, right? And then he kind of drops that, and then he's going to pick it back up again in chapter 7. 
And it's going to come back up. And so I'm actually going to talk more about Melchizedek when we get to chapter 7 too. We'll talk a little bit about him today, but we're going to do kind of what he's doing and like just name drop it and move on because he's not really going to hang out there right now. He's trying to use that to make another point. And even with this like conversation now of a high priest, like we don't have any context for a high priest, do we? If any of you maybe have been around the Catholic Church, you know the word priest, but you have a different image in your brain of what a priest is than the original hearers of this letter would have had in their mind when he says the high priest. The ancient Jewish culture had something completely different going on there, right? And where did that come from? Like we were just talking last week about this place of rest that God is inviting us into. That God is calling us to enter into his rest. And suddenly he goes, and therefore. Like that's where we picked up today, right? In the reading. Like God is inviting you into his rest. Don't harden your heart. Listen to his voice. That's what we talked about last week. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest. Like where does that come from, right? But what I'm saying is all these things are connected. There's a connective tissue that bonds all of this together. And if we knew the context that his original audience knew, if we were as familiar with their history as they were, immediately things would start connecting for us. Just like if I mentioned I'm having back pain to someone who's in the medical field in here, and they knew that I bruised my front rib earlier in the week, immediately they would know why. But me being a little slower, it took me a while to put it together, right? Because we don't know this context and this culture, it's going to take us a little more work to get there. And so what, what I want us to see is why there is a role even of a high priest in the first place and how that is absolutely connected into entering to God's rest and how Jesus fulfills that role in order to bring us into the ultimate rest. So what happened in instituting a high priest, as we talked about with that time of rest, God had rescued his people Israel out of slavery, right? They were enslaved to Egypt for 400 years. God comes and miraculously saves them. He pronounces judgment on the Egyptians for being a wicked people and being wicked to the Israelites and for not being willing to let them go. And then he rescues them out of slavery. Now, after he brings them out, before he takes them to the land he promised them, the land of rest, He invites Moses, this guy he chose as a representative, to go and bring them out, to come up to a mountaintop and meet with him. Now, in that ancient world, mountaintops were this place where, and you can kind of see this quite literally, physically, the earth would meet with the heavens, right? The heavens, just the sky, earth, the dirt, and the mountains are reaching up to it. And so for the ancient world, not just the Jewish people, every culture, they would see mountaintops as this place where they can go and they can meet with the gods. And so God, the true God, invites Moses to come up and meet with him. And as he's doing so, he's giving him, hey, this is how I want my people to live. So he starts writing down the law on these tablets of stone. And he's saying, you've lived in slavery to a bad ruler for 400 years. Here's the best way to live now. And the very first thing he tells them to do the very first thing is already being broken down at the foot of that mountain by none other than the person who God chose to represent to the people what it means to be a priest, Moses' own brother named Aaron. Right? We heard that name drop in our reading today too in Hebrews. 
that that lineage of high priests actually comes through Aaron. See, what happened was Moses was called by God to be his representative, to go free his people and to lead them into the promised land. But Moses was afraid. And Moses didn't believe he could do it, even though God was going to be with him, right? He didn't trust that that would be enough. And so he kept saying, no, 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 call anybody else. There's got to be somebody else besides me. And then God finally, as a concession, as a like, okay, fine, I'm going to compromise with you a little bit, Moses. He says, listen, you're still going to do it because I told you you're going to do it, but I'm going to let you bring your brother along with you. And your brother could come and speak on your behalf, Moses, because you don't feel like you're a very good speaker, right? Uh, But I'm going to speak to you. And you're going to still lead my people. And Aaron will be right by your side. And it's through Aaron then that this, now this, this role of being both uh, someone who has authority and someone who is a priest who mediates between God and people is now divided up between two people. So Moses continues to carry the authority of God, but Aaron now takes on this role of mediating as he's the speaker. So that's what a priest does. It's someone who goes between God and humans and makes a connection. A mediator, if you had conflict with somebody, is someone who will sit down with the two people who are having conflict and try to bring peace and reconciliation between the two, right? And so some, some people maybe have experienced that in like marriage counseling, where that marriage counselor is kind of mediating between the two people and trying to bring them together again. And that's what a priest does between humans and God. Let's bring some reconciliation back here. And so God actually wants that reconciliation more than any priest, more than any human, more than we desire what we're longing for. God is trying to pursue us to bring us back into relationship with him. So he's the one who calls Aaron to be this priest. And he's not very good at it. Because while Moses is up there talking with God, the God who just rescued them, he and all the other people are taking all the gold they got from Egypt and they're melting it down to make a statue of a golden calf, which represented the God, one of the gods of Egypt where they were enslaved. They're scared. Where'd Moses go? Well, what are we going to do next? There's a lot of like rumbling and thunder and stuff going around that mountain. Well, I, I remember like we used to worship this God in Egypt that maybe could come in handy right now. They were taking the God who rescued them, Yahweh, as just one of those gods in this whole list of gods in Egypt that they worshiped. And what God was saying in that very first law that he gave to Moses, that very first, here's how you live now that you're free, is don't put any other gods before me. I am the one true God. I am the God that rescued you out of slavery. I'm the God that made all things. I'm the God that is with you now. I'm the God that will stay with you. I'm the God who you find your very identity and purpose and being in. Worship no other gods. And the priest who is supposed to mediate these people and God is now leading them actually to another false God to worship instead. And you know what's crazy is God still allows Aaron to continue this role of being a priest. No, he's, he's got some like discipline that's got to take place with him first, right? He's got, he, there's a talking to that's going to happen. But he still allows him to fill that role. And then Aaron's sons, 
step into filling that role too. And they are even worse at it than he is. But what happens is there's this lineage that's set up now that out of Aaron and his descendants, there would always be a people who would help mediate between God and the Israelites, the Jewish people. Someone who would help them to draw nearer to God, even though they had gone so far away. And so in Hebrews, he lays out right there, here's two very simple, basic, but specific ways he would do that, this high priest, is they would offer sacrifices and blessings, right? They would offer sacrifices and blessings on behalf of the people. So there's this day called the Day of Atonement. And uh, about every, it was on the 10th day of the seventh month, what they would do is they would, the high priest would be the only one who could actually go into the very center of the temple. And what he would do is he would go and make a sacrifice first for his own sins. Because remember, Aaron messed up. His sons messed up. And every single priest after that continued to mess up. So they would first have to go and make a sacrifice of an animal, spilling the blood, in order to cover what they did wrong. That was part of their mediating. Like, what I've done to rebel against the one who gave me life requires death. And so here's the death of another as a substitute that can, big word, atone for my sin now so that I can be reconciled to God. So the high priest would do that first for themselves, and then they would do it on behalf of all the people. And this is what would allow the people to start drawing near to God, okay? So here's what's crazy, the, the connective tissue to this. This author says that Jesus is like one of those high priests, even in the way where he understands your weakness, Remember, he's a high priest because he's in the form of a human. And so Jesus has gone through every temptation that we have faced. Jesus has faced every weakness that we have faced. When I am complaining about a bruised rib because my son beat me up, Jesus had his side pierced. Like he, he bled, he had his body beaten and bruised. Jesus felt physical pain. He felt emotional pain as his friends left him and betrayed him. Jesus felt temptations. He's in the wilderness. And, and the one who tempted the first two humans in the garden at the beginning of this story was right there in the wilderness with him, tempting him. Wouldn't it be nice if you did this? Jesus can relate to every single weakness and temptation and suffering that we face. Anything that you are going through right now. Now, the specifics, maybe not, right? Like, did Jesus ever argue with his spouse? Like, no, he didn't have a spouse, okay? But not the specifics, but did Jesus ever feel relational brokenness between him and the people who he loved so dearly? Yes. Anything you are going through right now, Jesus has felt what that is like at its root. He understands because he was human. Because he is not only the God who created all things and spoke it into existence, but he's also the God who came down into this world and walked on it with two feet, with 10 toes, feet in the dirt as a human being. 
Now, where this is a little bit different, though, from the other high priests, is those other high priests, they could really feel what we're going through because they had given in to those temptations. They sinned too, and they had to make sacrifice for themselves. Where Jesus is different is he felt all of those temptations, but he never gave in to them. He always, every single time, overcame them victoriously. So now we have a different high priest that stands out from the rest. There's something unique happening here, right? But these high priests, their role in that time was to bring people before God. And it came through one lineage until, until around the time Jesus was actually walking this earth. And then what started happening is people would bribe those who were in power in order to get a seat at that table. This whole system of the high priesthood became very corrupt. And so now people were bribing their way into that role so that they could have a position of power over other people rather than a mediator between God and people. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is, listen, this isn't like those high priests in that way either. Because immediately the, the Jewish hearers would have heard this and said, Jesus can't be the high priest. He didn't come out of the lineage of Aaron. He's not from that tribe, the Levite tribe. There's no way Jesus could be one of those priests, right? Unless he bribed his way in there, I guess. Like maybe he's corrupt in that way. No, no. Jesus, he says, is not from that lineage. He comes from a different order. An order of this guy named Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was mentioned one time. I think in Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. You have three verses on this guy. He shows up mysteriously out of nowhere, and then he disappears, and you never hear about him again until Psalm 110, when King David mentions, hey, there's going to be another one to come in that same way. He's, he's writing a song that's like prophetic. One day there's going to be another one who comes in the order of Melchizedek. And that from Psalm 110 is exactly what the Hebrews author quotes right here. That Jesus has been that one who has come in the order of Melchizedek. Now here's why that matters. Melchizedek, when he meets up with Abraham in the Old Testament in Genesis 14, he's the king of a place called Salem, which means peace, by the way. But it also is the precursor to the city that would become Jerusalem, where King David ruled, where God brought his people into the promised land, where they were established as a nation and in a kingdom of people. He's the king of this place, but he's also a priest who Abraham gives 10% of everything he has to him as a sacrifice so that this king... Melchizedek, whose name means my king is God, so that he could be some kind of mediator between Abraham and the God who called him. He makes a sacrifice there. And so what in Moses and Aaron was split up into two roles, but was meant to be one, in Melchizedek, you see, no, 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 this should belong together. And why does that matter? And we'll talk more about Melchizedek in another time when we get to chapter seven, don't worry. But that's what we need to know today, that this kingship and priesthood actually belongs together. Why? Because at the very beginning of all things, when God created human beings in his image to be his representatives to the rest of creation, they had both the role of having dominion and authority over all things, kingship, 
and of being this mediator between creation and creator. As they themselves were creatures, but they were made in the image of the creator. They were representatives of both. This connective tissue between God and his own creation, in a sense. God gave this holy, special calling and purpose to humanity, and they failed at it. And that calling fell apart. And it got divided up between people. And it got used for power and oppression and personal gain. But when God calls not just Aaron and his children to be a high priest, he also actually called all of that people, Israel, to be a kingdom of priests. Let's look at Exodus 19. I think we have this on the screen, Aaron. And we'll wrap up with this. Exodus 19, this is at the time that they are going to that mountaintop and Moses is getting, this is how you live from God. And God says this. He says, now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, do they do that? No. You will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although the whole earth is mine and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. That's God talking to Moses. Go say this to them. If you will, if you will keep my word and my ways, you'll be my set-apart people. The whole world belongs to me, but I'm calling you for a purpose. And what is that purpose? To be a whole kingdom of priests that they would go and mediate between God and the other nations, that they would draw the other nations to come and serve and love God as well. And they fail at that. Instead, they start worshiping the other nation's gods. So we have this problem. But Jesus comes as the true high priest, not in that lineage, in a whole new way. God himself come down now, fully king, fully priest, the word of God himself in the flesh, and he brings a new way. And he actually restores this calling back to us. What was there at the beginning of humanity and lost, what God tried to reinstitute with the Israelites and they forfeited through their rebellion, Jesus restores to all who would follow him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he writes the same thing, instituting the same calling that God just spoke to Moses for his people. Listen to this. Verses 9 and 10, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. This is not to just Israelites anymore, you guys. This is to all people who trust in Jesus to be the one who is mediated on our behalf between us and God, the creator. You now, because you have a high priest, are now entered into this priesthood. You catch that? This is like when uh, we used to play games of tag as kids, right? We used to play this game called Ditchem when I was a kid, and one person would be it while everybody ran and hid. And what would happen is if I tagged Jonas, Jonas now had to be on my team, and he would now go around trying to catch all the rest of you too. And what would happen is this like switch would flip, right? You're running away from that person as fast as you can, and as soon as they touch you, as soon as they get you, you immediately start joining them on their mission, going out to get everyone else. And this is what Jesus has done. Because he's mediated between us and God, he now calls you to enter back into your original purpose that God designed for us as humans, to enter into that priesthood that you too would go and mediate and you would show the world what the king is like and you would invite them back in. You are a royal priesthood 
follower of Jesus, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you, why? Listen, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but tag you're it. Now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but Jesus has got you. Now you have received mercy. Listen, why does it matter that Jesus is a different kind of high priest? Because he's the only one who actually has the power, even though he came as fully human, still fully God with the full power of the Holy Spirit, who now gives his Holy Spirit to those who will follow him. He's the only high priest who has the power to invite us back into our call of that priesthood as well. You don't have to wear a collar, right? And sit behind a confessional booth. It's not that kind of priesthood. You get to go as a representative of God, our King, and show the rest of the world how good he is. And in mediation, invite them to come and have a seat at the table as well, freely, because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Would you guys pray with me?